Grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Now I'm reading out of the Holman uh, Christian uh, Bible. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I've been camping out in James recently and thought that's where we're going to go today, but I've also been in 1 Peter, and both of those are addressing the church standing up and doing what we should do. So it's not just a gift that we receive, it's something that we walk out. Now, I want to still just look at this one verse, maybe two here. Verse 15 says, But honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, I like the New American Standard Version. Pete, could you pull that one up? Okay, all right, back it up one verse. But sanctify in your hearts Christ as Lord, being ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you, yet with meekness and fear. Sanctify in your hearts Christ as Lord. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So here's the first question. Anybody asking you questions about what's going on in you lately? Are we living a life that would make people ask questions? Back it up a little bit. Do you have hope? As I prayed this morning and asked the Lord, what's going to be the condition of people coming here? I actually felt like he was saying, there's some folks that are going to feel pretty hopeless today. Been feeling hopeless lately? We're going to talk about hope. To actually get hope, you have to be hopeless. (laughs) Because the hope that we have in ourselves is not going to be productive. And God is as committed to us as the commandment he gives us, and that is to turn away from our idols. So if we've got idols, he will help destroy those and bring us to the place of hopelessness. So are people asking questions about what's in you, but before that, do you have hope? And what kind of hope is it? Is it a hope that has come out of hopelessness? If not, you better watch out. And then this question, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to give an answer? So, now let's turn to Isaiah. And I'm going to give you an introduction to God. Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57. 
starting in verse 15. It says, are you ready? Have you been to a banquet or a, a, a meeting where they introduce somebody and they go, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you Dun-da-da-da, right? <clears throat> All right, here it is, verse, verse 15. Here's the introduction. For the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this. <clears throat> Can you feel it? Smoke coming up from the ground, pillars shaking. <clears throat> Get ready, he's about to speak. Are you ready? I live in a high and holy place. That's pretty strong. I live in a high and holy place. I'm so thankful for that next statement. And with the oppressed and lowly of spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the oppressed. Back up just a few verses there and look in verse 9. This is what has happened. This is what God is saying. Look at it. Verse verse 9, it says, You became weary on your many journeys, but you did not say, I give up. You found a renewal of your strength, and therefore you did not grow weak. Other versions say, You... you, um, You were wearied by the greatness of your way, yet you did not say, there is no hope. You were wearied by your way, but you didn't say, there is no hope. You found renewed strength, and therefore you did not faint. Now, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds like they will mount up with wings of eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and walk and not faint. But listen, folks, they had their trust in something that was not God. By the way, God is what he is. Father is who he is. And and we can't understand the book unless we understand something of the Father. Father has a heart after us. But we don't put our trust in the Father, and we put it in other things. And so look at verse 11. It says, Isaiah 57, 11. Who was it you dreaded and feared so that you lied and didn't remember me or take it to heart? Have I not kept silent for such a long time, and you do not fear me? I'll expose your righteousness and your works. They will not profit you. When you cry out... Let your collection of idols deliver you. Huh. They hadn't gotten hopeless yet. See, you you, you kind of pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. You ever done that? Have you ever tried to just positive think your way through something? Y'all, positive thinking, that'll bless you a little while, but I'm telling you, just positive thinking is not enough. Now, positive God in what you say is enough. 
Now, can I tell you something funny that happened this morning? <laughs> Y'all, we got all flavors in here. We got Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, charismatic, anti-charismatic. I mean, we got all kind of crazy things, right? So, but we're all here because we love Jesus. But every one of those streams has different languages. Did you know that? And we got to get to where we actually value the language of the other people. And, and, and here's one of the conversations I heard this morning. Uh, someone walked up to a, a, a nice, wonderful lady, walked up to a nice man and said, how are you doing? And he went, I'm doing okay. And she said, that's not what I wanted to hear. Now, I'm standing right beside him watching this and snickering because I know what's about to play out because both of them are strong and a bit stubborn. <laughs> Mention no names, but watch my eyes. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been stepping on your toes with that sermon. Yeah. So... <laughs> So I see this happening, and I'm going, hmm, let's see how this works out. And, uh, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. You're doing well. Actually, I'm not doing well. I'm doing okay. And I'm standing over here just snickering. I go, hey, you better listen. I said, Carla, you keep that up. Bring that on. We surrounded Tim. He gave in. <laughs> I knew where Carla was coming from, and so did Tim. But he's a word guy. I know it's just talking about the word, word. I'm talking about he wants it to be said a certain way, and she's wanting to say it a certain way. But what Carla was saying was not positive thinking. It was positive thinking in the Lord. Tim, you don't have to change your language just to understand hers. You do. I know you do. That's the reason I picked y'all out. If, I, if you hadn't done it well, I, it would have been an admonishment. And I'd be admonished for admonishing you in public. But you did it well. Can you value the language of others in other denominations and catch this? Look, positive, here's the point. Positive thinking can't do it. Positive speech that's dependent on God can. So we want to speak out the truth of what God's, God's saying. Right? So you became weary in the greatness of your way, yet you didn't say there is no hope. You found renewed strength, and therefore you didn't faint. Some of us are pretty close to fainting, but we've been walking around pulling our own bootstraps up. Listen, we need to come to the end of ourselves in the flesh. To be able to have the living hope. See in 1 Peter. The hope that he's talking about in 1 Peter 3.15. Is the living hope that he was talking about in 1 Peter 1. They were going through fiery trials. They were, they were, this was the diaspora that was spread out across the world. And they were going through fiery trials. And Peter says. You have a living hope. Not just a hope. But a living hope. A living hope that brings you salvation. Listen, y'all, it is not enough to believe about Jesus. We've got to believe in Jesus. We, and to believe in Jesus means a surrender. 
You know, you know, I was pondering this, and I was, th- I was thinking about that, that, that one of the saddest verses in the Bible is, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you realize that there's going to be some shocked people on that day? And we're not talking about those that get to heaven and they go, hey, check it out. You know, the, the joke is that St. Peter's there and he's up looking through the book. I can't find your name. Well, look under New Horizons Christian Fellowship. I was a member there or something. Or I, I was a tither. Or, or, or I used to go out and, and help people that were hurting. Or I taught a Sunday school class. That's all well and good. But y'all, these were ones that said, we've cast out demons in your name. <laughs> what? They were actually doing some pretty miraculous stuff and there's no argument with Jesus. No argument with God. And then say, oh no you didn't. I actually believe the seven sons of Siva could have cast out those demons and, and stood against them and they would have left them because of the authority of Jesus, not just the Jesus that Paul preached. If they would have just stuck with the authority of Jesus, they wouldn't have gotten whipped and had their clothes ripped off of them. Y'all, it's not enough to know about God. It's not enough to know what God is. We must know who He is. When we know who He is as the Father, it means that we have truly been born again. Going to church doesn't make us a Christian any more than sitting in McDonald's makes us a hamburger. Or sitting in a garage makes us a car. It's us who were born into sin, slaves of the law of sin and death, going this way. When we repent, and as 1 Thessalonians 1.9, you hear me say this almost every time I preach now, I'm going to keep saying it. Okay? I'm going to keep saying it. Turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You can't receive the gift of salvation unless you turn to him. Hear his voice and turn to him. Now you can receive. You can't turn from your idols unless he is drawing you. And you say yes to him. Because some of us want to have a change of life, but we don't want him to be our Lord and Savior. See, See, lordship means surrender. And that's grace too. That's not a conflict. It's a compliment. We turn to God, receive the gift, and we have the ability to turn away and to serve him. That's the living hope. That's what the Bible calls being born again. And there's too many people. You know, if you have... What we looked at in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, where the bones came together, the the meat came on the bones, and the skin came around that meat. What have you got? A corpse. 
It doesn't come alive until the breath of God is prophesied into that corpse. And then you've got a mighty army. And too often in the churches today, when we gather together, we've got a bunch of corpses. And we count them and think we've got something. Y'all, I'm blessed in here. When I walk in here, I see the hope in you. But if there was one person in this room that has not been born again, but has been fooled by the enemy of this world, that they've put their hope in him when they're still putting their hope in something else. I don't want that person to walk out of here today. It would be a tragedy. I want them to truly turn to God, receive the gift, and be born again. Y'all, to have hope that people ask us about, part of the reason people don't ask us is because the church is, is still dead. We don't need revival. We just need vibing. We need a born-again experience. Every man and woman and boy and girl. It's not good enough for your parents to have it. You've got to get it. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God under him. He is the father and we are the sons and daughters. We may see family worked out in here with brothers, sisters, sons and daughters and mothers and fathers. But the fact is, if you're not born again as a son and daughter in the kingdom of God, you don't have a living hope. Now, we've talked about being plugged in. A television is boring. If it's not plugged in, it's boring when you plug it in too, but. Not just plug it in. Plugging it in might be compared to getting salvation. But some of us have plugged in, gotten the power there, and never hit the switch. So we're still living this way when God has taken us in, by birth into a new living hope. So that we can serve him and follow him. Y'all, it's in that that we see the world asking, what is this that I see in you? Right? Y'all, I know a secret. I know a way that we can pack this room out. Would you like to do that? Be careful. That was a trick question. If we let people know how good that cut fruit mixed fruit that Pete makes every Sunday morning. He comes up here at 7 in the morning. Every Sunday morning, cuts that fruit up, mixes it up, and puts it in a bowl. If we let that get out in our community, and if folks knew that we had sausage burritos, breakfast burritos from Sonic every Sunday morning at 9.30, if we let people know that we had Shipley's Donuts... Y'all, I guarantee you, we could pack this place out. I don't want that. Do you hear me? Because we're not trying just to go out there and find somebody that needs something. What we're doing is we're preaching the gospel and letting God activate that person so that we know that that person's seeking. Our goal in evangelism is not just to give the good news. 
and to make everybody respond. Our, our goal is to take the mystery of the gospel, throw that out into the pond. And when a fish comes up and bites that, you yank it and reel that baby in. Why? We would just go out there and throw the net and just, you know, wherever there's a fish, just pull them all up. God wants us to look for the seeker. Listen, in John chapter 2, it's very interesting. Jesus, it's, John says about Jesus, many were believing him. They saw the signs and wonders. Many believed in him, but he didn't entrust himself to them. Did you just read that? Oh, you went ahead and said it before I said it. Go away there. Give me a high five. That's confirmation. See, this is happening throughout the room right now. There are things that I'm saying that you, you thought about and, and heard this past week, and it stirred something up in you. That's the Spirit of God. See, that makes you want to bite the bait. Because you know it's not me that's reading your mail. Only God could do that. But, but many believed in him, but Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew their hearts. In fact, Debbie read a passage to me this morning that changed my whole sermon. Out of, uh, wasn't John chapter 6, was it? Where was it? And, and, and Jesus is where he's talking about he's the bread of life. And, 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 uh, and they're going, what's that mean, you know, bread of life? And, and he ends up saying, I am the bread of life. And, and you need to eat of my body. Now, that really stirred him up. His disciples said, that's a hard saying. What are you talking about? And, 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 it, and, and when he explained it further... It says that many of those that believed in him left. Many, not a few, but many. How about that? Many walked away. Jesus said, you going to go? Peter says, where are we going to go? Only you have the word of life. But Jesus committed himself to even that small few and he it says he even knew the one that was going to betray him and it speaks it out as Judas and he still loved him now that Judas was one that kind of snuck in there but what if we filled this room up with a bunch of Judases because we can get them all in here with a breakfast that's not the point Listen, y'all, the poor you have with you always. If money can fix it, maybe you're not finding the thing that they are needing. I'm not saying don't help people. I'm saying do. But, but above all else, preach the gospel and see if you get a bite. When you're giving that meal to somebody... Look and see if there's a bite on the hope that's within you. I wish I'd asked permission to tell a story. He's not in here anyway. Oh, can I tell his story then? I'm going to tell his story. 
There's two of them. I'll just tell one. Uh, this past week, I, Isaac, you know, he started to. Uh, boy, I just thought of all these cartoons about preachers' kids, and and when their dad tells a story about family, the looks that they give. Um, but this this past week, Isaac came home and he said he was excited. He told me he said, "Dad, in in one of my classes, I uh, it was a smaller class and." And we read a poem about a young lady and her mom and the expectations the mom had on, the, on this young lady. And he said, then the question was asked so that we could write, what are the expectations on you? And he said, so I wrote about being a preacher's kid, a PK. And then she asked everybody what they wrote about. And so he began to tell. And as he did, and he shared what his experience with expectations as a, a PK, the, the young man behind him tapped him on the shoulder and said, you're a PK? He said, yeah. Isaac said, now this guy was pretty strong in class and he was from another state, different culture, kind of like what Tim was talking about <laughs> earlier. And he said, I'm a PK. And then he began to talk about being a preacher's kids and the expectation. When they finished, they were starting to walk out. And as they walked out, Isaac said, he, he said, so being a PK can turn out good or bad. How did it turn out for you? And Isaac said, really good. And Isaac said, how did it turn out for you? And he said, terrible. He said, I'm agnostic. I'm not a Christian. With all the stuff I've seen in the church, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And Isaac and this young man made an appointment for a lunch. It hasn't happened yet. But y'all, that's a picture of the hope that's within us that can bubble out. Do you hear what I'm saying? Ingrid, can I tell your story? May I? Thank you. I already asked your mom's permission. She said, go ahead. Thank you. Yesterday, Ing don't you just love Ingrid? I did some <laughs> they just about applauded their Ingrid. <laughs> you know, I just love Ingrid so much. Yesterday, I got a call that, that Ingrid had to go to the ER. And she'd had some, some things happen with her that, that uh, some things we've been praying for for quite a while, but I understood how serious it was, and I quickly headed up to the ER at OCH and, and got in there, bumped into to John. <laughs> John, did he tell you? Bumped into to John Maples, who's the doctor, one of the doctors in the ER. So I, I bump into him, and then I go in to Ingrid, and, and, and this, uh, this uh, assistant comes in with a, a chair, and they were getting Ingrid prepared for doing some other things. And I thought, well, I need to step out. But before I do, may I pray for you? Ingrid goes, yes, Mr. Johnny, in the way that only she can. And so I said, may I put my hand on your head? She said, yes. And I put my hand on her head and I began to pray for her, just like I normally would do. Because she had a headache and I was praying for the headache. I said, you know the shalom peace of God over Ingrid right now. And I just began to pour my heart out to the Lord, just a simple prayer. And when I finished, 
the assistant nurse that was in there was weeping. And she goes, <laughs> she walked off into the bathroom. She got me, just <laughs> And she came back and she said, I don't know what's come over me. I just, this has never happened to me before. <laughs> and she said, I think I needed that prayer more than she did. Y'all, that's a fish that bit the lure. You hear what I'm saying? That was hopelessness that saw some hope. And I didn't have to do anything. Y'all, I didn't set up a program for us to go to the hospital and make sure that we pray for folks. Y'all, this was a normal daily life thing. When people are hurting, what do we do? We should pray for them. Sometimes we don't have because we never ask. And it's time for us as believers to let the living hope that's in us come out from us. In fact, some of us that, are, that say we're, we have joy on the inside need to notify our faces. Because a part of the reason so many in the world don't want to go to church, church is because they've seen what's happened in the church. So let's live differently. Here's the question. Have you been hopeless yet and found the living hope? If you haven't, that's first base. Today, all you've got to do, if you've known about God, known about Jesus, today you can believe in him. And a change happens. And you, the Holy Spirit comes in you. And what you would have had hope in before is nothing. It's hope in God completely. Mm. And I believe that there's some here today that have truly been born again, but you're living in hopelessness. And it may be that God is allowing some of your idols to be shaken. Whatever the challenge and fire you're going through, it may be that you are a godly man and woman. And, and you're struggling because things are happening around you. Allow a brother or sister to come alongside you and speak hope into you. They may not be speaking the language that you normally speak. But look for it and let's do it. Y'all, it can't happen just in an auditorium. You know, most of the times when folks go to church, they come in, sit down and shut up. I'm saying come in, get empowered, and go for it. This should not be a place we come into and walk out of. This should be a place where we build relationships and go deeper. Let's just stop here for just a minute. I want to ask you just to draw a circle around yourself and ask this question. Have I been knowing about God and knowing about Jesus but never really believing in him? That means surrender. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. It's in his lordship that we find hope. The fact that he's all powerful highlights the fact that he can be our savior.
Would you just say in your heart right now, Jesus, if I have never really truly believed in you, put my faith in you, I'm doing it right now. I just, I feel like that some of you are like that big bass seeing that lure right now and you're going, I'm not going to bite that. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And you're pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. Would you just surrender all to him? It's not a bad bait. It's a good one that brings you into the kingdom. If you can see this today, say yes to Jesus. Just say yes to him right now. In fact, I would encourage everybody, just say it out loud. Say, yes, Jesus. Say it one more time. Yes, Jesus. One more time. Yes, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and seal that right now. And I ask, Lord, that you would, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. That means pushing the power button. Wake up the saints. Breathe your breath into the corpses. Let us be born again and let us be mobilized into a mighty army. Thank you, Father. Okay, I'm going to give you one more thing. And that's from that first Peter chapter 3, 15. It says, sanctify Christ as Lord. Remember, Lord, that's, that's really a place where that living hope comes out. We're born to eternal life, but the, that living hope comes in surrender to him as Lord. Is he Lord? I've got to ask this. How many times, those of you that have heard me say this, don't answer how many times is Savior mentioned in the Bible? Guess. A lot? How many? Guess. Huh? Less than 350. Anybody else? Less than 100. I'm doing a, an auction here. More than 17. Less than 67. Less than 55. Less than 48. It's actually around 32 to 34, depending on which translations you use. How many times is Lord mentioned in the Bible? Come on. More than a thousand. I'll see your 2,000 and raise you a bit. How much is it? More than 4,000. <laughs> a billion. <laughs> Over 7,000 times. Do we have the emphasis on the wrong syllable? We talk about Jesus being the Savior. But do we talk about him being Lord? Y'all, this is not... Look... God, didn't, God doesn't want us, discipleship is not about making a bunch of mules. Mules are good. They can do a lot of work, right? They can do a lot of work. This is not about just doing the work. 
God wants us to be seeing horses because horses reproduce. Mules can't. They can do a lot of work. You hear what I'm saying? God's wanting us to reproduce. Living hope that should bring more living hope. Lordship is surrender. And if we're surrendered to him, that grace now in us will show a living hope that others will want to come and get. A lot of times we just receive the grace of salvation. His grace is there in lordship. I can't explain it, but I know it's true. Okay. If you think that you know everything in the world, you realize you're as smart as you're going to get. So can we be seekers together and let him take us deeper in our relationship with him? Let him take us deeper in that lordship. There's some healing, some life that needs to come to folks. Uh, I want you to flesh this out with each other. Some of you need to go eat lunch with each other. Be together. Talk about hopelessness and hope. Pray for one another. I think that's it. What, what you got, Debbie? Anything to add to it? Okay. I think I'm done. Can I tell you one more story and just finish with that? Y'all ready to go? Okay, you're not ready to go. Good. Let me tell you one more story. I was in um, in China. We had we had, we were living in China and we built relationships while we were working in an orphanage with uh, uh, with people there that also saw what we were doing and they started working in orphanages. And uh, there was one guy who was a multimillionaire business Chinese businessman. And he said he didn't want to learn English. He didn't have a desire to come to the States. He just wanted to be in China. He said, but I do know one word in English. I said, what's that? And he said, money. Because <laughs> he was a businessman. But he had an, or uh, an interest in the orphanages that we were working in. And, and we were going in and, and helping these little kids. And, and uh, y'all, some, some of the children at, at, at this particular orphanage, every month a child would die from lack of love and attention. And, and, and we came in and just had our, our people loving on these children. He and his wife saw what was happening. They started doing it. And at that time, we were living in England. We came back about nine months later, and, and, and I bumped into him, and he wanted to take us out into the countryside to find some more orphans to help them. Went to the orphanage we'd been working at, and these little, little uh, toddlers came running to him going, Just loving. So we're out in the countryside in this hotel, and, and we're having a deep conversation. And finally, his wife, she stands up and she says, I need to know something. How do I find my way to God? And, and I said, that's a good question. He said, we've tried to do what you do to get what you've got. 
and it's not working. Tell us, we know that you're a Christian. How did you get to God? And I said, well, good question. And I led them through about 45 minutes of frustration. Y'all, I could have sealed the deal right quick, right there. But instead of giving them the answer, I looked for the seeker inside of them and made them want that bait even more. I spoke to them a mystery of the gospel. And I helped them to ask questions to the point, you know, ask them, how, how do you think you get to God? God what, tell me what God's like. Well, he's holy. What's man? Sinful. How do you get to God? They, he gave me all of the standard answers you would hear from here. Go to church, read the Bible, pray, help orphans, do all these things. How's that working for you? I'm not good. I don't have it. I can't get to him. Finally, the wife had had it up to here, and she jumped up and she stomped her feet. Every time, this was all in Chinese, and uh, I, I would I'd go, woman, zomaban, what are we going to do? Woman, zomaban, what are we going to do? And they get mad at her. Finally, she, after about 45 minutes, she stomped her feet. She said, I can't take it any longer. How do I get to God? And I said, great question. You can't. It's him that's come to you. And he did it through the cross. And it's a gift to you that you can't do and get. You believe in and receive. There was the man, his wife, and the man's sister. All three fell down on their knees and began to weep and say, Oh God, please forgive us. We've tried to make our way to you. Now we realize that you made your way to us through Jesus. <laughs> we received that gift, Jesus, right now. And then they stood up, and the man, he was a big, tall, deep voice Chinese man. He stood up and he said, My money is not my money. My money is his money. And y'all, he took 150,000 U.S. dollars and started another orphanage where the children sang about Jesus. I want to live that way everywhere I go. I'm fishing. I'm not looking for somebody who just needs some fruit salad. Don't, be, don't you go under bridge and bring folks that need some fruit salad in here. You can take some to them. But our goal is not to get everybody that's hungry in here. Our goal is to find the seekers and bring them in here. Do you hear what I'm saying? Doesn't matter their clothes, their, their language, their dress, their smell. That doesn't matter. If they are seeking God, we want them in here. Right? Are you seeking God that way? Or do you know everything that you need to know? You'll be about as smart as you're going to get. That's the word. Thank you, Father. I pray your blessings on every man and woman. Anybody that's coming here with a burden on their shoulders, Lord, don't let them walk out of here with that same heavy burden. Just bring them up to the front, Lord. And uh, some of those, be ready to pray for them after the service. Just stand around up here at the front. Somebody will come up here and pray for you. Don't walk out of here 
without knowing that you've been born again, without knowing that you have been plugged in to God, not just knowing about him. And then now, Lord, we ask that as we go out into this week, that you would help us to be praying for folks and see folks come into your kingdom. Lord, let us have eyes to see those that are seeking. Help us to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us with meekness and fear. In Jesus' name, amen.